0: Welcome to Careers of the Future, a show where students can learn how to best prepare themselves for the future of work. Each episode features an interview with an Ismaili at the leading edge of their field and is available in a podcast format and on The Ismaili TV. Yali Madad, and welcome to Careers of the Future, a show where students can learn from Ismailis leading in their fields about how to most effectively prepare for the future of work. My name is Joy Panjani. I'm a student and I'll be the host for today's episode. Today we'll be learning about working in the field of architecture and design with our special guest, Mois Alwani. Thanks for having me. To start off with, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role as the global head of design for the Agafan Academies.
1: I'm essentially responsible for the design of all of the Khan Academy campuses. And that ranges from existing campuses, as we have in Hyderabad, India, in Mombasa, Kenya, uh, but then also the sort of, what I would call the next generation of campuses. So when you have uh, projects of ours like Dhaka in Bangladesh, um, and then also Maputo in Mozambique, those are two areas where we're, we have currently live Khan Academy projects or campus design projects. Um, but then also smaller projects that we deal with um, including the uh, the new uh, amphitheater for the Mombasa academy uh, and then also you know multi purpose sports halls for again the existing campus in hyderabad so the range of projects goes from small scale to very large scale uh, the context shifts quite dramatically from hyderabad to mombasa to maputo to bangladesh and then we also look at architect selection and site acquisition in uh, new sites or new projects wherever Hasriman would like a, a focus
0: that's really interesting. Everything you do seems to be filled with opportunities and everything so exciting. I was wondering how did you know that this was your field of career, and why did you specifically go for architecture
1: i think uh, I think it would be fair to say that um, right at the beginning of my architectural education uh, i I became very impressed by the power of architecture and the power of design. And it reminds me of when I was a first year architecture student. And back then, you know, we used to learn how to draw on these big drawing boards and, you know, you you physically drew drawings back then. And I remember my first exercise learning how to draw a plan. So a plan of of a building. And I was drawing this line and I had this kind of moment where the penny dropped and drawing this line, for me, suddenly translated to, wow, that's going to be a real wall that I've decided where that wall is going to be positioned, and therefore how that, it was a house, how this house would be experienced by somebody. And for me, the the power of architecture is when you have all of these lines on a drawing, or if you have all of these sort of design intentions on a drawing or on a design project, the way all of that comes together, and the way all of that uh, impacts somebody's experience of the world through your building project or through your, your your design project is something that for me is extraordinarily powerful. I mean, you are really, uh, you are really manipulating how people transition through space, what they see, how they experience the world in which they live. The other thing for me, which has always been very interesting about architecture in particular, is the poetic nature of it or the possibility for it to be very poetic. Um Good architecture can lift the spirits, you know good architecture can lift the soul in a way that good art can lift the soul. the difference being that I think in architecture again it's it's for me very immersive you 're in the space you're lifted, and you kind of say, Wow, or you don't in bad architecture and finally um, more interesting for me uh, at this stage of my career is the ability that architecture and good design has to transform and I really cannot think of any other um, field where you have this amount of potential to directly impact people's quality of life. I think it's something quite unique to the profession. Um, And I think that connected with the poetic nature of it and its sort of powerful importance is something that I find very inspirational continually. And it's always at the edge of innovation, I find. You know, good architecture kind of keeps you interested in. What's happening in the world? It keeps you kind of current. It keeps you connected. It, it, it's very, um, it's far from being a, a sort of a stagnant profession, in my view.
0: That's, that's a really inspiring story. And what you said about uh, a, good, uh, a good architecture is really, you know, benefiting people because it brings out optimism and it leads to the betterment of the society. I know that you work for the AKDN, and uh, I am very keen to know about how what it's like to work for the AKDN. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your experience whilst working
1: there? As a, as an Ismaili, it it is nothing short of a blessing working working uh, for the AKDN. It's an extraordinary organisation, as as you know. Um, also on the on the sort of more career focused, tangible side of things, it's really given me exposure to things that. Otherwise, I would not have received um, the the breadth of projects that I currently am able to look at um, the places where these projects are located has really expanded my worldview exponentially. So when we've got projects in Madagascar or in Mozambique or in Bangladesh or Pakistan, all these places, Dar es Salaam, um, you really you really start to Uh, go quite deep into the culture of those places. There's no way you can design and build these projects unless you really start to understand these places. And because of that, I think it's really enriched my understanding of the world. And that's something that, you know, not being at the AKDN would not have given me. Uh, The other thing also is that there's a lot of smart people in the AKDN. And um, constantly being surrounded by people that are smarter than you, I think, is a really great place to be. Because you're constantly learning, and there are lots of um, there are lots of people that can provide mentorship throughout your career, through your working life, um, which is really for me been very formational. You know, it's kind of I've kind of grown up a lot whilst working at the AKDN, which is which has been extraordinary. And finally, it's um, it's really humbling when you when you get to when you get to really see the kind of work that Hazraman is doing you know, firsthand when you, when you get some exposure to the thinking, um, it, it's nothing short of humbling. I mean, it really is humbling and extraordinary. The other thing also is that um, in terms specifically of architecture, I remember when I was thinking about the transition to the AKDN or when this opportunity came up, and I remember being a little bit concerned that how do I go from being the guy that does all the drawing work on a project and gets really excited about design work to being more strategically focused on you know managing these projects setting the strategic vision all this kind of stuff and i remember speaking to somebody who'd been at the akdm for a long time uh, and also connected to the field and i was kind of explaining this conundrum and his advice to me was you'll learn more working with hazirman on architecture than you would not working here and working as an architect and you'll become a better architect and i think that was absolutely sage advice
0: um yeah i think that's really great that you work around people who are at a top level and they always keep pushing you they always keep pushing you to your limits and then you just grow you just you know get better in all aspects of life I was wondering, what advice would you give to students who are interested in pursuing this field of career?
1: I think the first thing which will which will serve somebody more than anything else is developing a good eye for design. Um, what does that mean? Well, what I would say is that uh, good design comes out of problems. I mean, essentially, what I do all day is problem solve, um, and when you have problems in the world, <clears throat> design is a is a really wonderful tool to solve those problems. Um, I think i would say to young people who are interested in the field is to start looking at the world and identifying what those problems are and you don't have to look that far away right so i'll give you a few examples that come to mind not not in architecture but when you get on an aircraft you know when you get on an airplane i'm when i get on an airplane i'm often amazed at how badly designed airplanes are and uh and it's almost comical you know you get on this this kind of this tin and when you're outside and you're looking at the outside of the airplane, they still use rivets to put pieces of metal together. Together, You know, these kind of screws almost. Pretty much what they did in the 1930s. So there's no elegance in how these planes come together externally. And then you go into the plane and you're sitting down and you're in the middle of your flight and then you you, you get woken up by a trolley that gets whacked into the side of your chair by somebody that's serving drinks and food. And you say to yourself, have they really not figured out a smarter way to serve food and drink on a plane that doesn't stop half the plane not being able to go to the use the washrooms, and also stops people crashing these trolleys into chairs, right? And then, of course, it kind of gets worse, right? When you're having a cup of tea, you're finally having a cup of tea, and then you open up the small milk container at 33,000 feet. It doesn't matter how experienced you are at flying. When you try and open that thing up, it just goes everywhere, right? Because of the air pressure. So these are just some, and of course, the, the airplanes use, you know, the, the combustible engines. So the exhaust from them is extraordinarily bad for the environment. So it's really, for me, I look at an aircraft and I think to myself, God, there's just a catalogue of poor design initiatives here. And of course, there are some great things about them and some of the engineering. On the other hand, if you look at uh, some of the, some of the new innovations that are coming out, so you look at Hyperloop which has been created you know so it was an idea created by musk which i i believe has been taken on by virgin and they've actually been working with architects so they worked with bjarke ingels and him um, uh, in his his office to create essentially a tube that will transport people um from one part of the world to the other and they're, they're, they're prototyping it you know connecting abu dhabi to dubai within 10 minutes. So, the idea is that you get into this tube there's it's a vacuum tube that means there's there's a kind of a positive air pressure, and then this tube just flies very, very fast, you know across the planet, hopefully one day, and it will reduce people's transition time, their travel time. It will really change the way that people think about travelling across the world that to me is innovative, right There's nothing combustible than that. Uh, you can be from London to New York in under five hours. It's kind of more or less the speed of sound. Um, that's a really interesting innovation, which is for me um, connected to the time that we live in. Whereas aircraft are not. These aircraft are from the '30s or from the '60s at best. So I think looking at the problems that you see in the world, and I'm, I'm obviously being lighthearted about bad design, but when you're when you start to see the problems try and think about what the solution would be. You know, how would you fix that problem? How would you fix this annoying issue on the aircraft of the trolleys? Um, how would you go about fixing other issues of our about, about time and our generation? And I think through that problem solving, you very quickly would develop a portfolio of ideas and you grow a voice. And that for me is the interesting thing that when I was studying architecture, I had to wait until I went to university to develop a portfolio, right? Then I developed an architecture portfolio that then you take around from job to job to try and get new new jobs, etc. I think the world has changed fundamentally and that's not necessary anymore. But what is necessary is for people that are interested in design, people that are interested in architecture, fashion, to really think about the problems of the world, today's world and the future world and solve them. You know, even philosophically, even intellectually, solve these problems. And when you put all of that together, then that will give you a voice. So then the next question is, what do you do with that voice? I think the first thing is you find other people that have voices like yours. Um, That's really important to create a network of people of your generation who are able to think in a similar way, because that will create um, that will create more opportunity than by yourself. And then the second part is putting that voice using the handles that you have. So, for example, you know, the way that you guys use social media is extraordinary. I mean, you do it like you breathe, right? But using social media for a positive curated output is far more beneficial for your generation than using social media frivolously, right? So I think how can you use your Instagram? How can you use your hashtag handles, whatever they are, to have your voice put out there? in a curated way what that means is that when you do sit down at your university interview you're not having a discussion with somebody about um you know what you might do at that school they already know a bit about you because you're already part of the knowledge society and i think that's the key thing how can you become how can your voice be part of the knowledge society in relation to matters of design etc etc And I think the fact that we all have, most of us have now access to the internet in some way, shape or form, it means that we're able to be part of that knowledge society irrespective of geography, which previously was not the case.
0: Yes, I think that's a really great advice. And uh, it's an advantage for the youth because if you see the world is full of problems right now, you just need an innovative idea, put it down on a paper and then network it through social media. Speaking of problems, during these uncertain times, and especially during this pandemic, there have been lots of ups and downs in different industries. What would you say the future of architecture looks like considering
1: these situations? Uh, the, the output or the impact of something on one side or people on one side of the globe affecting others is something which is, which is important. How does that affect design? Well, I think if you were to even look at how, how design has traditionally been delivered if you look, if you look at a basic example like an apartment building, you know, the apartment building was developed on the basis of uh, you need this many square meters or square feet to live in as a one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom apartment, and the reason for that is you keep the square footage low as possible so you can maximize your return on investment. Um, I think people are going to start to think about that very differently now, especially given the fact that we are more and more confined to our homes during long periods of time with these lockdowns and other things. You know, the importance of green space in your home, next to your home, connected to your home, uh, the importance of being able to work from home, uh, the importance of being able to design a home now that allows people separation, as well as, you know, bringing people together, that sometimes you need to get away from your unit, uh, as well as come together and, and keep cohesive. Um, all of these things are going to I think fundamentally change the way that we think about residential design, and then that goes into other 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 aspects or other sectors of design as well. If you look at how are we designing schools, you know what will schools of the future look like? Schools have been traditionally designed to bring students together, and now we're thinking about well, how would you also keep them apart? you know how do you how good is virtual how good is the virtual teaching environment? Well, I think we've answered that. It's not that great. Um, so then, okay, how do we now design schools so that you can have the complementarity between virtual but also physical presence? The classroom traditionally was a place that the teacher owned, and the student came in, was invited into the classroom, and then went to another classroom. That may change. You know maybe now what we have is a dynamic where the student owns the classroom. And that's their bubble, that's their group. And teachers, you know, uh, are the ones that transition around school campuses. You know, all of all of these ways in which we've traditionally designed typologies of buildings is, is going to fundamentally change. But I do think that quality of life is something that people have no choice but to now prioritise. Um, the other thing also is that I think that's going to lead us to a shift beyond aesthetics. So I think people have been in the design world very focused on what does this thing look like? um whereas i think now the transition to you know what does this thing do what kind of flexibility does this thing give us what future proofing does this building design have or this product design have etc i think that's also important the construction industry is really way behind the rest i think of um technological innovation you know architecture and construction industry were also we're always hand in hand and it was very innovative. It's always traditionally been innovative, but if you look at the last sort of I would say fifty to hundred years, you know the construction industry hasn't really advanced on mass um, to a point where it's innovative, right um, We're still building buildings the way we did fifty years ago, sixty years ago, and I think also a lot of these things a lot of these pressure points that we're feeling, whether it's uh, from the things I just mentioned or whether it's from climate change and the impact that buildings have on the environment. I think, are starting to make people fundamentally reevaluate the entire construction industry. Uh, people are starting to think much more intelligently about how the life cycle of a building manifests itself. You know, the carbon of a material, how that material is taken to a site, how long that material stays on that site, etc. These are all things that people are, um, are wrestling with at the moment. And I think what you're going to see in the future is a connection between... Advances in uh, technology um, and how those advances in world technology will infiltrate into architecture and design. So you kind of already see it with you know the smart gadgets that we have, you know that kind of help us to do different things. Whether it's you know sitting in your living room and turning your kettle on from your smartphone, um, I think that's going to go to another level in, in in building design. I think the the integration of user experience with design is something that is, is far more important to us than it ever has been in the past. Um, and I think that's going to that's gonna play out. And finally, the, the other thing that I would say is that, you know, the traditional norms of design have shifted. So again, if you look at the things that people are doing today, uh, certainly in architecture, um, these, are, these are people who are current today. But the question I would ask is, who are the people that are current tomorrow? right? And especially if you're young in your career, and you're kind of setting out, you don't quite know where it's going. I think it's really important to, to kind of ask yourself, you know, who are going to be the people of the future? Uh, are they going to be people who are, have already made it? Or are they the people who you're sitting in the classroom with? Are they the people that you hang out with? Uh, are They essentially your peer group, and, and I would argue that they're probably likely to be your peer group. So the importance of your peer network, it's something that that will also manifest in the future of, of, of design
0: yes i think that's that's really great that you know with these technological advancements and the digital revolution it provides each and every field with an opportunity to grow and the, the the idea of you know separation and togetherness in in you know one house or anything that that's really great and you know it's there are endless possibilities for innovations and improvements in this industry what opportunities should the youth look for who are interested in pursuing in this field of
1: career? Um, when, you, when you think of these problems that I mentioned, you know, if you're thinking about a housing crisis, if you're thinking about, you know, poverty, if you're thinking about um, scarcity of land, if you're thinking about carbon emissions, you know, whatever you're thinking about as these problems that I mentioned, um, you don't need financial commitment to dream up the solutions in design form, Right. And I think that's incredibly powerful because you're able as an architect, you're able as a designer to philosophically resolve these problems without any commitment of any financial organization or any bank or any you know any of this kind of stuff and there's a purity in that right so I think that I think that in in looking at the problems of the of the world and looking at the interconnectedness that we were, we were kind of talking about, I think that um I think the opportunity will arise when designers of the future are able to identify the problems ahead of the game that's going to be really critical identify the problems ahead of the game some of them are very predictable some of them are less predictable and are going to be in a position where their their philosophical you know philosophical ideas are able to be implemented at the right time right there's no there's no use to having a sketchbook that, um, that resolves the world's issues, but nobody ever finds and sees, right? Which is why I mentioned the voice. If you're able to solve these problems, if you're able to kind of predict where these future problems are going to be and solve them, then having that voice and putting your ideas out there in whatever way that is, I think enables you to then have a seat at the table when these things are discussed. Um, I think that's, and I think that's going to be that's going to be the thing that gives people edge, is, is having that ability.
0: I think that's really interesting that you don't need any kind of investment. You just need an idea, a pen, a paper, and then, you know, look beyond for solutions. So before we end, do you have any final advice, any bits and pieces you'd like to emphasize more on?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I think the first thing that I would say is do what you love. You know, we only get one shot at life. And for me, my passion was uh, or is design and architecture. And I think that um, I think when you start to find the things that excite you, the things that you are interested in, your intuition kind of tells you that, hey, there's something interesting here for me. Go for it, you know, and turn that turn that like into a love if it enables you to do that. I don't think it's smart for people to work on things that they don't enjoy. I just think life's too short. And and that that's also um, that that would be number one. The second thing I would say is enhance your peer group with as much diversity as possible, right so where you have um, where you have a peer group which is pretty monolithic i e everyone's more or less the same, they come from the same background, they live in the same place I think that will limit I think that could limit you in the future, so I think that it's far more interesting to have a or establish a peer group that is made up of more diversity um. Because it just creates, it will inform you. It will it will um, widen your worldview, which again is something that 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 I have found to be very uh, very important for for my career uh, and also for my life, to be more more exact. And then the third thing that I would say is your career is not everything. You know, don't make the mistake of um, of course it's important. You know, we spend most of our lived hours working on our careers, but at the same time. Your career is not the only thing that defines you, um, and actually, the things that will ultimately define you are the values that you live by, uh, and that can, man- that should manifest in your career, in my view. But it's it's kind of beyond your career; it's more important than your career. So I think when you're thinking about your career decisions, when you're thinking about you know these kinds of you know how you see yourself in the future of the world, um, try and think about that in terms of. The kind of person that you want to be, you know, the kind of values that you want to have, rather than the specific career idea that you have. And then the final thing is, don't get too hung up. In my view, don't get too hung up on um, making everything click into place so early on. You know, use the early days of your career to kind of really experiment, really have fun with it, really enjoy it, um, get as much from from it as possible, and give as much to it as you can. Um, and it will kind of make sense the older you get. It may not make sense in your 20s. It probably won't. But by the time you get to your 40s and you look back and it will make much more sense.
0: Yes, I think that's a really valuable advice, Mois. And, uh, you know, you just need to find a group of diverse uh, friends. And then, you know, once you uh, start exploring and you find what you love, you should give it a shot. So before we end, thank you so much, Mois, for your time and sharing your experience to students around the globe. Stay tuned to the Ismaili for more episodes. Thank you. Yali thanks for listening to careers of the future for more episodes of careers of the future visit the.ismiley or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform